0: porridge cold peas porridge in the pot nine days old, some like it hot, some like it cold, some like it in the pot, nine days old almost almost
1: uh, so the so the so the porridge it's it's like a it's like a pot put pottage pot, pot, almost like pottage okay but uh, that may be a little too advanced the the o in the cold is cold cold C- cold
0: oh keep working on it my vulcan friend you're getting there i must say that i do believe i am much improved i have been working on some lady whistledown fan fiction i think that's helped huh i think that it would really improve the plot if benedict would embrace his bisexuality so i've written that in oh that does actually sound a lot better will you forward it to me of course sir
1: but for now the show oh yep hi friends at home i'm justine maston lmft yogini writer and captain of this particular ship welcome
0: aboard and i'm larissa garsky lmft writer researcher spockian first officer and i am taking elocution lessons
2: Mm,
1: and just doing great
0: oh thank you sir
1: just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Please be aware that this app will include spoilers for Bridgerton. Including the identity of Lady Whistledown, also known as Regency Gossip Girl. So if you don't want to be spoiled, perhaps circle back later. Also, be aware that this app will include some more discussion of sex than our usual and may include some discussion of sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Ah, welcome back. Welcome back to Bridgert- Bridgerton
0: Bridgerton
1: the rest
0: <laughs> of the town
1: the rest of the ton. that's right which if you have decided that you don't want to watch this show you just want to hear us talk about it instead of saying town although Lady Whistledown does say it one time she says town one time mm. um they say ton sort of town and and is
0: that just like a pronunciation thing
1: yeah, I mean, it's it's even in the, uh,
0: in the subtitles, it says Tawn instead of yeah, town. Yeah, I noticed. And I couldn't make heads or tails of it. I just chalked it up to, you know, something I'd missed. <laughs> <laughs> I I do remember vaguely thinking, because I watched some of this like really late at night, um, for no other reason than I was ill, everyone, you know, not that there's anything wrong with other things you could be doing with Bridgerton late at night. I just want to be very transparent about what I was doing. Um <laughs> I didn't e- I didn't
1: even catch that that could be a thing but you know as you say better to overexplain than underexplain
0: it's you know I I think I think in most areas of life that is the case um uh, but yeah I was I remember laying there looking at it and being like that's I know that that's not french that doesn't seem like some sort of britishism but then I was like yeah I have a fever of 100 I probably missed it and just let it go <laughs> I th- I think it's an affectation like mama Mm. Where they're just, they're trying to do a little world building. Sure. Which, you know, uh, appreciated. And as an aside, I thought that uh, Julie Andrews did a wonderful job voicing Lady d- Whistledown. Just
1: delightful. And I, when she said scandalous things, I was like, oh, Mary Poppins.
0: Right. I was like, oh, <laughs> gosh, you and Bert, after hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh,
1: yes. So. The re- the rest of the ton. Now that we've spent plenty of time with Daphne and the Duke, we can set them aside, right? And and talk about some of the rest of our players. Sure. Because there there is some really great family dynamic stuff happening. True. There's some great family of choice stuff happening.
0: Yes, and you know what would have really helped? Maybe not so much the family of choice stuff, but definitely the family of origin stuff. Mm -hmm. Is if they had done more to differentiate the Bananas and Pajamas. (laughs) I feel like the Bananas and Pajamas children's program did a better job of differentiating between B1 and B2. They wore badges. They wore badges. Yes, they made it very clear. Whereas, like, I was definitely three episodes in, if not the fourth episode, before I realized that there was a middle brother <laughs> you do you, you, you were like it goes Antony, colin there is no benedict yes i had i had just i had smooshed benedict and Antony together and so even though it was a little weird to me that like after hours <laughs> Antony who was actually benedict was smoking with their sister Eloise I was like that's (laughs) cool look at him he has you know he has a more diverse character like he 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 like lets (laughs) kicks it with his younger sibling he's smoking clearly he's doing other things than just hanging out with that opera singer um but then no midway through I think the fourth episode I realized that in fact that was Benedict wow that that took you a minute Again, I was, I did have a fever. <laughs> I'm choking. So I think some of that was the fever. But it also is due to the fact that, like, these brothers, B1, B2, B3, are styled identically. They have the same hair. There's not enough variation in the sideburns to really help you. <laughs> they they yep. Their voices are very similar. Like, they look like brothers. Like, good job there. But, like, then they needed to do some things to give them badges or differently colored cravats or something <laughs> yeah and your your complaint
1: is echoed on the internet mm-hmm. lots of people had that complaint where they're like I can't tell the brothers apart yeah Um. I mean it, it is hard that they're they're supposed to be closest in age right mm-hmm. so there's there's three white male actors with brown hair uh huh S- styled I, I you're right they're styled quite similarly mm-hmm. um on my second watch i was much better able to tell the difference identify them yes sure um but on my first watch i was also like wait what
0: <laughs> yeah colin so b3 was the the one who stood out most because he was sort of like hapless yeah. And that actor did a good job of like really leaning into him just kind of like falling all over himself and not really knowing what he was doing, but doing it in a sort of adorable fashion. I'm young. Oh <laughs> And who is it that he likes? Is it Marina that he thinks that he likes? Yes. Miss Thompson. Miss Thompson. And then uh the real lady whistled down, not Julie Andrews. Um Penelope. God, can't Penelope. Pen. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yes, and we'll we'll circle back to Pen because I have questions for you. Yeah, there's lots to talk about <laughs> with Pen. Um.
1: Yeah. The I what I liked from mm-hmm. a uh, from a family therapy, a family systems perspective about the Bridgertons was that they actually liked each other.
0: Yeah, which you don't see a lot. You don't
2: well that like, makes it sound
0: terrible like in therapy our families come in and you just don't no, see no, families I mean, that like, like each media. other i don't mean
1: that in media yeah yeah in media like gen well generally speaking you get one of two tri- tropes you either get the family that is like fully i mean maybe enmeshed but like they just they get along so well that like everyone's like best friends like We've Lorelai and rory yeah. Right, and we've talked about how that's problematic before. Mm. Or you get, like, the complete, like, nobody Ship gets show. along, everything is awful. Yes. And what I liked about this was that there was a nice mix of, like, yes, we have some difficulties, but we actually mm-hmm. all really like each other and respect each other. And
0: it was nice. You know, that's actually a really good point. Because um, and, and they do. They do a really nice job of showing... That, contrary to what Leo Tolstoy once wrote all fam- all happy families are not the same in the exact same way Mm-mm. and it's not a perfect happiness, like everyone doesn't all get along, and Mama really
1: has a has an Elvis Dumbledore problem of not sharing important information,
0: yeah, God, she really does she also does some playing of favorites. But, for sure but even there I think what allows this family to work is they're very good at flexible roles mm-hmm. which I just remember Carl Whitaker being so so into like he really felt like rigid roles was like the death knell of the family mm-hmm. um, because it didn't it didn't let people get different needs met at different times whereas flexible roles do right it's mm-hmm. so like even though mama is uh, Daphne's clearly her favorite in so many ways, but she clearly cares about like her other children too. Mm-hmm. And we'll have moments where she really engages with B1 and is concerned about B1 and his philandering. Um, <laughs> she clearly cares a great deal for B3. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is like uh, n- concerned about his life choices, but ultimately wants to support him. Mm-hmm um and it and so and i think that those things so she's she's a little bit flexible when it comes to who's going to play her favorite role and also she does seem to like all of her children and she likes all of them being together and mm-hmm. though this is the least true with eloise and daphne for the most part mama stays away from doing things like why don't you behave like so and so elder sibling mm-hmm and
1: and even there. Mm-hmm. It does feel like mama is not saying be more like Daphne. Right. She's she's saying like be nicer to Daphne cuz Daphne's going to set the set the tone for who you get to marry. Right. So it's more of like a have you know, be kinder, mm-hmm. have more respect to your older sibling. Um yeah, I think that's fair. And I mean, is is this a, a, a an image of a perfect family? Absolutely not. There's no such thing. No, right. And like, Mama is very concerned about what other people think. She's very outwardly focused about keeping up yes. with the Joneses.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and also when when B one promises Daphne to that horrible man, Mama is like, "Fuck you, B one." Yeah. <laughs> Right. Because like just because you are the Viscount, whatever that means, Mm -hmm. um, the head of this family, you don't you don't get to you don't get to sell your sister to the to the mustache twirling man who ties her to the railroad tracks. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'm going back and forth in my mind if I wish that they had done more with the, the tension between Mama and B1. And I think decidedly, I do. There is some tension between them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish that there had been more. I wish that Mama had like fought a little bit more. You'd seen more of the tension and the strain for her mm-hmm. about having this child that she literally birthed attempt to talk down to her
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah you know and i feel like this show really tries to be like just don't look at that it's like pay pay no attention to that uncomfortable patriarchy over there well i think there's at least
1: one really um tense moment yes where mama is uh doing some needlework of tulips to go around uh daphne's dress which do not wind up on daphne's dress and i found that to be a real
0: a real problem
1: a real a real continuity problem but mm-hmm. fair <laughs> that was like was daphne just like fuck you i'm not wearing tulips or <laughs>
0: anyway uh, <laughs> she was like roses mama i told you roses but that was cut for time anyway continue. <laughs> yeah but where mama is like we
1: don't need you anymore
2: yeah you know like you
1: don't you you think that basically you i trusted you to be the head of this household you broke my trust and no thank you anymore which i mean it's an uncomfortable scene Mm -hmm. because it's like oh couldn't we just have a more frank conversation
2: yeah.
1: Because, you know, initially she's telling him, your, your, your father would make a deal. He would get it done. Daphne would have been married off already. And he's like, okay, I guess that means I should marry her off to, you know, villain, Von Villain over here. Sure. Um, and you, you know what this show, I mean, and every show ever and every piece of media Has an issue with, and that's communication.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah, there were a lot of communication issues. You
1: know, forthright communication.
0: Mm, Clear, direct communication.
1: Yeah. Right? Because Mama could have said, Daphne is clearly in love with the Duke of Hastings, so she thought.
0: Right. He's a duke. Make the arrangement.
2: Mm -hmm. He's your friend.
0: Like, come on, what's the hold up here? Now, Mm -hmm. that would have maybe short-circuited the plot in the way that the writers didn't want <laughs> right but not necessarily even right because if they'd had the direct mm-hmm. conversation b1 would have gone to his best bro duke of hastings mm-hmm. and they would have been kicking back having their glass of sherry and he would have been like okay this was weird for me at first but it seems like you really love my sister of course you're gonna want to do right by her mm-hmm. no more bridge raking for you sir. And then the Duke of Hastings would have been like, well, no, not at all. And B1 would have been like, why, what do you mean? And. (laughs) Right. The the plot could have moved forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was still possible. We could have straight talk, direct communication. No. Yes. That's a good, that's a good point. And so maybe what I felt like Mama and B1's relationship was missing Mm -hmm. was that if they weren't going to engage in straight talk when you already had the dynamic of all the kids really do seem to love and trust to varying degrees their mama Mm -hmm. people talk fondly of papa though you know he's he's a non-entity he has passed
2: Mm
0: -hmm. uh to the great beyond of where the uh, just he has passed um (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna do something with that and it didn't come together so we're just moving on um We don't know about the dynamic between B1 when he was a child, and Mama, Mm. and I do wonder if we knew more about that. If that might give us some like narrative complexity and and a potential explanation as to why Mama has a harder time being more direct with him, because it does seem like Mama and Papa had a had a good relationship by and large, Mm -hmm. and so I'm making they were a love match. I'm making an assumption that they did engage, thus they had some good workable
2: communication
0: Mm -hmm. so like yeah I wanted a little bit more about like what is going on between them that they that Mama and B1 that they can't quite seem to navigate this in a more direct fashion
2: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and I wonder like how how much did B1 get educated on what it means to head the family because it sounds like Papa died like 10 years ago or
0: something yeah 5 to 10 like, enough mm-hmm. so that, like, B1 has an idea of what's expected of him. hmm And this is another problem with the Bridgerton Bros bananas, is that... <laughs> the bitch... The Bridgerton bro The <laughs> Bridgerton bro <bro-nanas laughs> Is that I'm just not quite sure what B1 does all day. On my counts. It, Right, right. But I'm like, what does that mean? Does he like it? Does he not? Does he like some of it? What parts does he like of it? Mm -hmm. They spend so much time with him and the opera singer, Sienna. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's like trying to make fetch happen. Those two did not have sparks. (laughs) It was fetchless. Yeah, he and Sienna, they were not bringing the heat. Mm Mm-mm. And it was. It felt like I really felt time passing when I when it was scenes with them, and I was supposed to be caring because I just didn't care. No,
1: I did. I I likewise didn't care. I mean, the first scene we get with them is that they're doing it up against a tree, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, this is character development. This is telling us that eldest brother here is
2: I likes don't know. trees."
1: <laughs> he's getting it on with this
0: rando because we haven't met her yet right it was supposed to be that his tension between like love and duty right. but I, but the I didn't love feel wasn't, that at all I didn't feel that at all the love wasn't there like I did like the very very end where she says to him where she like calls him out and is mm-hmm. like you're not going to be able to do right by me I need you to stop lying to me mm-hmm. I liked that moment that was a wonderful moment There was no build to that, though, because like I didn't believe in their romance, whether it was like bad acting chemistry or trouble with the writing. Hard to know, you know, at least it is for me because I only watch it the one time and my viewing. Yeah. No, on on second watch,
1: I felt. I felt nothing again.
0: Okay, yeah, it just wasn't there.
1: No, the story. Yeah, you know, with the first watch, I was like, did it like you were? I was like, did I miss something? I must have missed something there must there must be more but Uh there's not it's just we're supposed to believe that they you know they're hot and heavy and I'm like you're not
0: you're like tepid they were they were tepid and I think that's just that's just actor chemistry between the two of them Mm -hmm. and the writing wasn't giving them enough To make up for that. Like, we weren't dealing with, like, Marina Sirtis in Star Trek Next Gen. We're like, they gave Marina some, like, wonderful stuff, but some not so wonderful stuff in Star Trek Next Gen. (laughs) But because Marina is a consummate professional and an artist, Mm -hmm. she made it all look good to the very best of her abilities. Mm -hmm. The actor who played B1, the actor who played Sienna, they were not able to do that. No. What I would have liked is is more playfulness
1: with them because I think mm-hmm. they it, it seems like it was in the script that they were supposed to be a little play but I would have loved you know when she's like what are you talking about my lord it would have been much cuter if it was like what are you talking about my lord like like she's teasing yes. him that he's a lord you know but like she sure. says it's so deadpan and then it's like uh this is yeah. such a bad social strata problem mm-hmm. <laughs> and
0: you know when you're saying that i think they need a little bit more of like Margot and elliot Bantor in oh, early yeah. seasons of the magicians yeah, yeah. where like mm-hmm. those actors give their lines so many layers of meaning because of their different inflections mm-hmm. these actors were not able to bring that very one note very one and that note. note was a middle c it was a middle C note and it was just like, ugh, every time we went back there was the same middle C. Meh 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 which was I think in some ways a missed opportunity because it wasn't it was a chance to see how B1 struggles to navigate another tenet of marriage and family therapy, which is that like, what is it? Marriage is the inclusion of an outsider. Mm-hmm. And that Sienna, the opera singer was supposed to be an outsider. That was just too much, too far outside to be right. brought in. And because it was a middle C, I just couldn't care.
2: No.
1: And then he invites her to go to the ball. I was like, what are you doing? I don't believe you. What?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it just didn't work. It, what was he? Was he? Uh, yeah. Who know? Who know? Anyway, B1. Right. Yeah. No, thank you to B1.
1: Also, it, it, Struck me very much like when Richard Gere invites Julia Roberts to go to the uh, <laughs> to the polo match.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, how how dare you want to dress me up and pretend I'm someone else? Yeah. If you can't just love me for me. Hmm. GTFO, which is
0: how that movie should have ended, but. Yeah, I, you know, I haven't, I have to be honest I haven't thought of Pretty Woman in a long time. Um, but fair, that is how that film ought to have ended. Um, <laughs> instead, it just continued reifying problematic romantic tropes. Mm-hmm. Sure did. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on. Well, actually, let me pause and Not give on. Bridgerton credit where credit is due, the writing room. Because, like, mm-hmm. they don't do that with this particular romantic trope.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They have Sienna say, you know what, GTFO, I'm I'm calling you out on this. You don't mean this. You're not going to try to make me the outsider, insider into your family. And you're not, you're also not going to take care of me like you promised you would do. Mm -hmm. I have found someone who will do that, who likes that I am a opera singer. Right. Which was taboo or whatever. Sure. Being an artist, just very problematic. Which brings Mm -hmm. us very nicely to unblended b 2 (laughs)
1: benedict and um here here's a here's a fact that will help you moving forward b2 benedict has a b stitched on his collar and it is a bumblebee not
0: a letter really yes wow they really were trying to take a page out of bananas and pajamas (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was just so challenging because these brothers looked, or these actors looked so much like brothers. Yeah. Yeah. And there does seem
1: to be a bumblebee theme uh, that I think we're supposed to get, so- like, eventually that'll mean something. Well, there is that large tree
0: that we open to, Bridgerton mm-hmm. across it, in yeah. each episode, which made me think of, like, Tree of Life. What's that about?
1: Hmm. Yeah, but there's, bum- the, like, we open after that on a bumblebee, and then B2 has bumblebees on his collar. Huh. There's something about bumblebees, I
0: don't know. Are bumblebees code for bisexual? Because <laughs> that's what I want them to be code for. Once I realized that B2 was B2 yes and i realized it when he was on his way to the art show because i was like wait no it was before the art show when that artist was the second time artist was flirting with him because i was like wait a minute b1 wouldn't do that and then i there was another scene and i was like oh no this is two separate human men (laughs) these are different people i was like wow mind blown And then he finally goes to hang out with the artist at his, like, cool, fun sketch thing. And I was like, this is great. Mm B2 is going to be bi. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. More representation. This makes one of the brothers interesting. (laughs) Because so far, zero of them are. Zero of them are. Like, he and the artist had real sexual tension. Mm Mm-hmm right like there was some chemistry here mm-hmm. right um, flirtatious it, play right off the bat right off the bat I was here for it and then we were disappointed
2: yeah
1: we were really disappointed I yeah when he opens that door mm-hmm. and sees the artist in flagrante delecto with his actual lover uh huh
0: I was like, go in the door yes! with them. <laughs> That's what I was <laughs> happening. I was like, oh, wow, they're really going there. B2 is going to go join him. The artist is going to like reach out his hand and say, come, come on in, friend. And I was like, wow, this is what the artist meant when he was saying, like, younger brothers, second in line, get to have more fun. hmm And instead, they just, like, awkwardly looked at each other. Right. And B2 closes the door and he's like, I guess I'll have a threesome with these two random women I just met. Yep. And then suddenly he's like, his shirt is off. He's with these two random women. And he's like, yay, life is made. (laughs) And I was like, "Mm." I was like, my life hasn't been made. This is disappointing.
1: It was terribly disappointing. I was like, we haven't even met this one lady. Like the one, the one is clearly the modiste.
0: That's right, yes, Madame de who doesn't actually speak French, <laughs> she must speak a little bit because she knew
2: yeah,
1: she knew that Miss Thompson was calling her out
0: <laughs> yes she she knows un petit peu of, of french, but but nothing, not enough for Mm-mm. nothing compared to miss Thompson no no who's who's Maman. <laughs> Wait, no, because Miss Thompson doesn't have a mama, right? Um,
1: she's, yeah, she, she's, she said her, well, her mother, her biological oh, mother.
0: that's right. Yes, yes. I got you, of course. Yeah. Her biological mother's French. Um. <laughs> right.
1: And then, so he, B2's hooking up with Madame Delacroix, and, who we f- and the other woman we find out is the artist's beard wife. Um.
2: Yes, that's right.
0: But we hadn't met her yet. No, so so she wasn't, she was just another Mm rando. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I just...
1: Yeah, I was like, all missed
0: opportunities. I hope they're going to explore that in season two. Well, this does open up something that you and I briefly discussed before today's episode, which is that season two does seem to have a problem. I mean, I know they have a wealth of material because it's a series of romance novels, Mm -hmm. but Daphne and the Duke were the ones bringing the heat. Right. So far, no one else is bringing the heat. (laughs) No, it's, it's chilly in this romance book cabin. (laughs) It's very chilly. There's lots of middle C's being played on the piano forte. (laughs)
1: yeah like if we don't get some spice up in here because what what i've read so far and i haven't like Mm. done a deep dive but it sounds like season two is going to focus on b1 antony's uh pursual of a woman he has decided will be his wife and there's supposed to be sexual tension between him and the sister of this woman or something oh okay Sure. Yeah, but what what I appreciated the most in that little piece I read was they need to make B-1 a lot more likable real fast
0: (laughs) if they're going to center the season on him. They need to send him to the same acting school that they sent Grace Park to from Battlestar Galactica, the reimagined series. Like, both she and, um... She did get so much better over time. Yes, she and the person who played Callie and, um... Caprica 6. They all had to go get Mm. some some real training when they got picked up. Callie wound up in a cult. She did. She made it out, though, didn't she? Or no?
2: Mm.
0: No. Anyway. Uh, Grace Park made it out. Grace Park did. She did, and so did Kristen Crook of Smallville. Um, (laughs) And Caprica 6 was never in a cult, so there you go. That we know of. That we know of. I just, yeah, let's, oh. Knock on wood there. At any rate, yes, B1 is going to need to take some classes.
1: Yeah, he's just, like, he tripled down on being broody. And I don't mind brooding. But it's got to be like a... Like a Jughead Jones
2: brood. Sure.
0: I think brooding only really works if there is something unique about you. (laughs) <laughs> that's so true right what are you brooding about your vast fortune your viscount ship the fact that you had two parents who stayed together their entire marriage loved each other modeled that for you <laughs> right you're yeah, a it's... white upper middle class man in regency society you have amazing hair for a white dude like what <laughs>
1: What's your issue? Well, right. And I like that's not to say that beautiful people can't have problems because of course they can. Of course they can. But it is a little hard to buy as a viewer. Yes. It's It's like, oh, so you're just you're just a sad boy because you're sad.
0: Right. And like, this is part of what makes Roger, who plays the Duke of Hastings, work mm-hmm. so well is he has this horrific backstory and he stuttered. Mm hmm. You know, like he he grew up to this beautiful, amazing man Mm -hmm. who clearly has a wonderful personal trainer. (laughs) (laughs) Just top drawer. Top drawer. But he had this very tragic series of events in his childhood that like changed him and like made him darker, weirder in a way that feels genuine and believable. Mm -hmm. There's real pathos there. Like he has things to brood over. Yeah be one to
1: like i'm sorry dude like i believe you that you're sad i believe you that this is hard but it's it's kind of hard
0: for me to find compassion right now i mean i found compassion for him but i i i I didn't i just didn't care (laughs) did, (laughs) did i have compassion then i think i did have compassion for him as like a person if I think about him as like a real. If I imagine him as a real life person, sure, but as like a character about which there's supposed to be like an interesting story, they're not doing that work yet.
1: Mm-mm. No, and yeah, let me be clear. Like if I had a if I had a client, which I have had clients from affluent backgrounds mm-hmm. who had a hard time. Like yeah, of course I can find compassion. Yeah, but this this isn't my client. This is.
0: No, well, you know why we're able to find compassion? Because they're a client and they tell us all, like, the weird shit that they're into. <laughs> right. Right? And, like, mm-hmm. all the random stuff that has happened to them in life. Like, I do, I really do fundamentally think that, like, every human being is profoundly weird. And I mean that in the sense of, like, everyone has, like, different, unique stuff about them that has happened to them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We're just we, we we need we need to get some of that if we're gonna build season two around B one because at present,
1: I wonder if he has any interesting backstory from his time. At, was it at Oxford where he met the Duke of Hastings? Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I wonder if there's any. I mean, aside from the story of like putting a goat in the dorm or whatever. Like, I wonder. If
0: <laughs> Even that, I'm like, ah, uh, more stereotypical like bro frat culture. <laughs> yeah like it could be something interesting if he felt like he's always had to perform a role Mm -hmm. but then the tension needs to be here is his role and inside he's really a bisexual artist but clearly that needs to be b2 story (laughs) right what is b1's story
1: like b b3 is like i want to go to greece i want to
0: travel does he though or was he just like confused? <laughs> like B3 seems simple. And what I mean by that is like this is not like an intellectual giant of a man. <laughs> no, I I think I mean
1: simple has some baggage. I think what you mean
0: is like yeah. uncomplicated. That is absolutely what I mean. He's a this is an uncomplicated human. Like mm-hmm. he like he was lucky enough to be born into a well-off family.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He, his, his personality and individual identity aligns with the body and the role to which he was born.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: His parents and siblings care about him genuinely. You know, like, he really lucked out and he's also, and he's just, he's like an uncomplicated dude and nothing about his life has been such that it, like, gave him some rough edges. Mm. No, it, no, he's round. He's round. He's like a round teaspoon. <laughs> you know, and I and I think like similar an to Daphne. An uncomplicated soup spoon of a man. <laughs> that's much better. He is an uncomplicated, robust soup spoon of a man. He will get that gruel in your, you know, in your mouth when you're recovering from typhus or whatever. <laughs> and I think he, like Daphne, like, I think he wants to get married and have kids. Mm-hmm. And right,
1: because I think he loved his he loved his papa and he wants to be a a nice Mm -hmm. man like his
0: papa. Yeah. And I think I'm I get why they did this, but I was a little disappointed that they eventually like break up him to Marina because what could have made him a little more interesting is Mm -hmm. having him marry her, knowing that about her, like that she was pregnant and him being Mm -hmm. like, but I just I love you. And I think you'll be a wonderful mother. and, And you make me happy. And I would be happy just spending the rest of my life trying to make you happy, right? So sweet, such a sweet thing That's that I would the- believe of this uncomplicated soup spoon of a man. See,
1: I don't believe that of him because. Okay. He, well, you know, last last app we were talking about the importance of rules, and, sure. And there are such defined rules in this culture. Sure. And and the uncomplicated spoon
0: believes and embraces all of them without question. Yes, and I do think he's grown up in a family where, like, romantic love is the most important rule. Mm. And so I could see him being like, well, but I, you know, it's the most important one, right, Mama? And because Mama knows that he's an uncomplicated soup spoon of a son. And she he's the third son. And he's the third son, so, like, you know, low expectations. (laughs) She might have been like, sure, let your outsider become an insider. We'll just, you know, hopefully the baby looks like her. You'll have other children. They're not going to be heirs. Because with her third son, like, she just wants him to be happy. She doesn't Mm want to, like, burden him with the complications of renegotiating rules. She would just be like, that's why we have flexible roles in this family. (laughs) And why we have B1 and B2. Right. We can be flexible for you and this nice Miss Thompson that you want to be with. And then that could have added dramatic tension for B2 and B1. Mm. They could be mad at B3. Suddenly the bananas (laughs) are broken up. (laughs) The the bunch of bananas. (laughs) <laughs> have been torn apart and B1 and B2 have been forced into an alliance against the <laughs> complicated soup spoon therapy. <laughs> <laughs> that, my, my friends, is narrative therapy. Is narrative therapy combined with systemic family therapy. And is a good example of um, an unhealthy triangle. Which brings us over to Miss Thompson's
1: surrogate family. Mm
2: hmm.
1: The Featheringtons,
0: which you have lovingly called the Featherbottoms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, until you said Featheringtons, I was like, what is she doing? They, it, their name is Featherbottom, but it's not. Um, it's <laughs> It's not. You texted me while you were
1: watching it and called them Featherbottom, and I was like, <laughs> is she confused or is
0: she trying to do a thing? Either way, I'm into it. Great. <laughs> I think at one point I was trying to do a thing, but then... That thing transitioned in became the beautiful butterfly of the Featherbottoms, <laughs> and now they will live in my brain as the Featherbottoms. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're very much like Tolstoy's uncanonical unhappy family, right down to Papa Feather Featherington um, having a raging gambling problem.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. The vi- and I I am not a reader of Tolstoy. <clears throat> um. Although I did read Dostoevsky. Um, Interesting. In high another school. Pod. It didn't go well. Uh,
0: <laughs> Which Dostoevsky did you read? Uh, War and Peace. Oh, you mean Crime and Punishment?
2: I mean Crime and Punishment. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: loved how confidently you were like, oh, War and Peace. <laughs> you know, the one that's a thing and another thing. <laughs> Both like dark things. Yep. <laughs> no, you mean war and peace. No, you mean crime and punishment. Yep. <clears throat> oh.
1: The vibe I got off that family was very much like the Cinderella story. Like the, the wicked stepsisters. Oh, sure. hmm
2: mm-hmm.
1: You know, the the most the most beautiful one goes to the ball and gets all the attention.
0: That's very, very true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Were there two or three? Ugly stepsisters. Two. There were two. Mm-hmm. There were two, and so then there's Pen.
2: Mm.
1: Well, she feels like a. Uh, she she definitely has uh, fairy godmother energy.
0: <laughs> she does, and I just Pen. Mm, I just don't know what to do with Pen because I feel like I am supposed to like her, but you don't. No, and I, I can't really tell you why with the same <laughs> verbosity that I can with uh, the B ones. <laughs> yeah, she felt a little. It felt like tokenism, maybe, with her because she's chubby. Because she's chubby, mm-hmm. and and then they were like, "Ooh," but then, but then it felt like things that like non-diverse writer's rooms will do with tokenism, where they're like, let's just throw in a bunch of interesting character traits in our token character, and that'll make her a person. Mm, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: I don't know enough about the writer's room, but, I mean, it's, it's a Shondaland. I don't either. So at least there,
0: there's there got to be some... I'm some sure there's... gender and race diversity. Race diversity, but... Don't know yeah. about body diversity. So I don't... Yeah, and that was... It just felt like this was a character that was created that was just outside the knowledge of whomever was tasked with writing her mm-hmm.
1: yeah i kind of immediately liked her because that actress is this charming character on a tv show called dairy
0: girls yes that's right and i was like i oh don't my- the actress is delightful like I which I think is part of why I have this inner turmoil with Penn because I really Mm -hmm. really like that actress Mm -hmm. and I thought she was working so hard and I didn't feel like they were giving her enough also I just like I don't know I wanted, and I know that like that was part of her character that her mom was always like dressing her in these like god awful outfits
2: Mm -hmm.
0: but I kept looking at her and being like you are a much more beautiful vivacious person Right. Why do they keep like tacking on all these different like tropes and flower printed sacks? And so much statement jewelry. So much statement
2: jewelry.
1: Like, seriously, some of it I was like, I think I've seen that.
0: Yeah. Like a Francesca's. (laughs) (laughs) It also made me think of God, what was that store that everyone would go to to buy prom dresses? glitz glitz there was something with a d it wasn't Delia's. deb debs <laughs> yes <laughs> it was like regency gown from debs is what they had poor penelope in oh oh poor pen
1: and <clears throat> what i did like about her character was mm. i i liked that she just she just wanted to to read but she yes. wasn't as she wasn't as into feminism as Eloise Mm -hmm. she's like no I want to get married and have children I just also want to sit here and read my book I just I don't want to be flaunted around and have to go see the queen and stuff
2: yeah
0: and maybe we're getting down to it too that like I'm not not really sure what Penn wanted Mm -hmm. and maybe Penn doesn't know what Penn wanted Mm -hmm. she definitely and I think they did a good job and you actually pointed this out to me that like there's a real teenage vibe to Eloise and Penn mm-hmm. and Miss Thompson. Mm-hmm. When where they, where they will do that thing each of them at different times, where they'll they'll be like, "I'm being mature right now," <laughs> right? And what? And is one more... of the others was being a- immature, and right. like so. Like Miss Thompson told Penn <clears throat> about like what it means <clears throat> to be mature, and then Penn told Eloise about what it was to be mature, and then Eloise smoked some more. So you know, I'm worried for her lungs in the future of the story, but. <laughs> They were they were in some ways very believe that was where Penn was the most believable to me was mm-hmm. when we were exploring her as a teenager because as a teenager it is very developmentally appropriate to be trying on all these different roles like do I want to be a mother do I want to mm-hmm. be a wife do I want to be a coquette do I want to be a writer do I write like mm-hmm.
2: yeah
1: <clears throat> right and I see all this weird stuff happening in my family. And I also like, she really, she really cared about Miss Thompson. She really cared about Marina. Yes. You know, she, she was like, I see everybody else is treating you terribly, and I am treated terribly. And so I will, I will not treat you the way that I am treated. Hmm. Um. Until she, until she be done wrong.
0: Sure. Right. Until Miss Thompson goes <laughs> for B3.
2: Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. Colon. Colin and I I was really surprised that when I was really surprised that when Marina makes the association like oh my god you're in love with Colin yeah like she doesn't do the the tropical thing Mm -hmm. and say I didn't know you were in love with him I'll back off I'll help you get him she was like look you are a child. I am a woman. I'm sorry, this yeah. is going to break your heart, but I need a mm-hmm. husband. And I, I will be happy to kill your childhood dream of Colin loving you because he doesn't. And he never will. And he was never going to. And I need <laughs> this more. And you should see that. Right. Which was, which was a very antitropical thing to
0: do it was but it was so and it was so teenager yeah which I did love and I thought was was really great and Mm -hmm. now and actually now I'm coming around to it maybe I'm like we're fanficing pen enough that now I'm like here here's pen here's the one I like (laughs) um is that Penelope really once there's that turn and Mm -hmm. she sees that Marina's going for b3 and then very much doubles down when Marina's like too bad so sad he's mine Mm mm-hmm Pen uses all of the tools that her mother has very faithfully modeled for her, right? Like manipulation, myopia, Mm -hmm. abject cruelty, secret keeping. There is so much secret keeping happening in the Feathering Bottom home. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got secrets from
1: everybody, except maybe the daughters. I don't know if they have any secrets.
0: Right. The other two, like, the the more, like, canonical uh, ugly stepsisters, like, they don't really have, they're not much, they're not very well-developed. No. Like, there's that one who wants to marry that other guy. Uh, I believe it was Philippa who wanted to marry Mr. Someone. Mr. Someone. Mr., you know, another well-rounded soup spoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. They... They, they seem to be more set decoration than anything else they are and it is such a shame that Penn's, Penn's mama seems unable to see that Penn is the one who takes after her mm. like Mrs. Featherington is clearly like very shrewd and cunning um, made the best of it after being sort of like saddled with clearly not a love match and a husband who doesn't know how to manage finances to boot. Mm-hmm. Like she's done her best. Like the the family's doing as well as they're doing because of her and her skills. Mm-hmm. But, she doesn't, but she doesn't see that her daughter Penn is talented in those same ways because Penn is not stereotypically
2: beautiful.
1: Right. Mm. Yeah. Which leads us to the big the big secret reveal. the big reveal which is that penelope pen writer lady whistledown dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. um you i thought caught on to it being pen much earlier that, like i didn't see that
0: at all i did but then i talked myself out <laughs> of it i was like i was like it's pen and then I was like, no, it's still a then I was like, maybe it's the queen. And then I was like, who can really tell? And you were like that happened quickly, Larissa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, do you remember what it was that you saw that you were like, I think it's Penn?
0: Um it was it was something that her it was something that Eloise had said, I think when Eloise put it together that it had to be a person who had time on their hands. Mm. And I was so. and I was going through in my mind, like, who has time on their hands? Mm-hmm. And then there was something about the way, like, Penelope reacted when Eloise was trying to, like, figure out who it was that made mm-hmm. me wonder if it was her. The reason that I initially ruled her out after I was like, maybe it's Pen, is that Lady Whistledown, and this was probably the fan fiction character I was writing in my own mind, to me seemed older. Mm-hmm. She seemed like she had the wisdom of age. Yeah. I'm sure part of that is that, like, she was being voiced with someone with, like, the gravitas of Julie Andrews. (laughs) And especially when Penn started to double down in her teenage-dom, I was like, Mm -hmm. it can't be her. She's too, she's just too young Mm -hmm. in her perspective. She has, she has too little experience to be able to write this incisively. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to hear you talk about
1: that right now. Because, like, literally as you were talking, I was like, wait a minute. But, mm-hmm. what, but what do adolescents try to do harder than anybody else? Yep. Down mature. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we could go back and read some of my poetry from the early Ugh. 1990s. My diary entries? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's like a Jane Austen novel. Mm-hmm. Today is the 312th day of my confinement. You know? <laughs>
0: Who knoweth when I shall get to leave (laughs) the estate of my parents (laughs) and venture out into the world to make my way on my own? Uh, One of my poems,
1: I believe, went something like, (laughs) I reach out and touch the darkness. It covers me like winter's blanket. (laughs) 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 and even as i'm saying that that 12 year old part of me is like are you making fun of my palm and i'm like no i'm not 12 year old part of me
0: no absolutely not no it's just it's more i think more has to do with i was reading something recently that put forth the idea that um part of what makes laughter laughter is pain Mm. And it's, like, very sort of, like, the sound that humans make when we laugh is very animalistic, and it comes from this, like, older uh, place for us, mm-hmm. in a way, like, maybe even, like, predates language that you you laugh to express pain, and it is very painful to be 12 years old. <laughs> so real. You know, and, like, when I think about Penn, she was very precocious, she was very emotionally intelligent, mm-hmm. no one was invested in her and her family. Mm-hmm. You know like nobody was listening to her or giving her counsel. I mean like I know mama was giving Daphne terrible counsel. Or counsel about like be like puppies and summer rain, right? Mm-hmm. But like it seems like Pen was all but forgotten by both of her parents. Her sisters were busy with their own stuff. Mm-hmm. So she had all these ideas and thoughts and observations and nobody to share that with.
1: Right. And and Eloise didn't really want to talk about gossip. Eloise wants no. to focus on You know, she wants to go to
0: university and be a serious person and a serious writer.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And that's not... I mean, even though they are very good friends,
0: like, Mm -hmm. Eloise can't meet her need there either. Ooh, I don't know if they're doing this on purpose, but maybe, because it is Shonda. Mm -hmm. Um, Eloise feels far more like the Brontes.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Very serious, dark reach-out-and-touch-the-darkness type of fiction. <laughs> yeah. It covers them like a blanket. Um, Winter's Penelope, blanket. It's important Winter's that it's not Summer's blanket. That's true. Well, duly noted 12-year-old part. Whereas Penelope <laughs> feels far more like Jane Austen. Mm. And Jane Austen really was... At, at the very little that, of course, you can really ever know about anybody retroactively mm-hmm. is that it seems like she was really into lots of different parts of regency culture like she went to all kinds of balls she like danced all the time she was Mm -hmm. she was very steeped in her personal societal cultural moment Mm -hmm. and was able to be both critical of it but also really loved parts of it was clearly Mm -hmm. interested in playing the game um but she was for and there's lots of speculation as to why but she was never like penelope she was never going to be successful in it Mm -hmm. in the way that a daphne was going to be successful in it
1: yeah i mean i i think that's probably legit even in the way that they're dressed like eloise feels more Mm. like you know with those little jackets
0: yep Mm -hmm. yeah And the more subdued Mm -hmm. yeah pastel tones don't lower my hems god she and she does i felt so bad for her when she was like all dressed up at the end of the show eloise Mm -hmm. was like it just oh she looked so uncomfortable yeah and
1: daphne of course is like for someone who dislikes getting dressed up you look so beautiful i was like do you not see how incredibly uncomfortable but then she lets her go up to the library and hide and
0: that was nice Mm -hmm. that was nice and another great like circling all the way back around another Mm -hmm. great example of The Bridgertons being a loving family.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The Feathering Bottoms, no.
1: No, there's just... There's... And it seems to me... Even though they're both of the upper echelon, it -hmm. does seem like the the Featheringtons are maybe a little bit more blue-collar, even in that... Even in that sphere, because it or or that lady, Featherington came from slightly lower class because she just
0: she has that graspiness. Yes, yes, I I I think that like even in the humor and the way that they're portrayed, mm-hmm. it feels like more traditional blue collar humor. Mm-hmm. Like some like the body comedy that they're having them do and the way that like she does it, I would agree that I think mm-hmm. she's supposed to read as. Someone who moved up from classes Mm -hmm. or sort of like jumped at least one hierarchy to get there. And then there's also the fact that like they're always on the edge of losing everything because Mr. Featherington has a terrible gambling addiction and gets killed right at the end. Yeah. Well, I was forced
1: to drink poison. So, (laughs) yeah, well, you know,
0: he really, really messed with the wrong people he really did yeah and he was like he was doing okay and then he had it's yeah no it was a mess yeah Totally and you know people
1: often say like how could a gambling problem be as bad as a drug or alcohol addiction I'm like it can be worse because it can ruin your life in a single day
2: Mm -hmm.
0: that is what you texted me that like it's not progressive over time Mm -mm. no I mean it can be if you have the resources but yes
1: but, like, it, it, can take, it can take years for you to ruin your life with chemicals. You, you can ruin your life with gambling.
0: Day one. Yes. Well, and I do... I'm thinking about chemicals. There are certain kinds of chemicals that are a slower burn than others. Sure. Sure. Some, some have um,
1: or some are a quicker burn than others.
0: Yeah, some are a mm-hmm. quicker burn than others. And gambling is certainly like more of those like quicker burn chemicals where mm-hmm. you know if 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 it goes the wrong way it goes the wrong way it can go the wrong way like uh, like with an efficiency that is breathtaking
2: hmm yeah
0: and so
1: the reason i brought this up was i think yes. in that family like it's just it's all about the grasping and the holding our status and so there's yeah. there's not the time which This is this is can be true in any family Mm. that when we are Mm -hmm. so focused on you know base of Maslow's hierarchy of needs that base of the pyramid which is like just maintaining our safety Mm -hmm. that some of those higher loftier or more ephemeral feelings things just aren't they aren't available or they aren't a priority Mm -hmm. you know it's Mama Featherington isn't they as she's like scraping and grasping she's not thinking to herself you know what i need to do i really need to sit down with penelope and like ask her about her writing and see what her hopes and dreams are and yeah you know see if she would prefer to have a dress that's not yellow
2: Mm
0: -hmm. like there's just no space for that (laughs) no there's not and i think you're making a really excellent point that it is because there's that grasping that comes from worrying about losing it there's that grasping that comes from like being poor or being lower class or having the memory of what that is
2: mm-hmm.
0: and oh no i was gonna say something
2: and i lost it mm.
0: i'm sure i have like i i'm sure i have poverty parts that are like oh my god don't talk about this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're we're dangerously
1: close to sharing things we don't want to share yeah, they're like, wow, we're just going to, that thing you wanted to say, we're going to take it and throw it in the yeah. back. Justine already Bury read it. that embarrassing poem. Like, we don't.
0: <laughs> we can see that you're proud to share your version and we're here to it. <laughs> you can thank us later. Ooh, here it is. Mrs. Featherington has that really lovely moment at the very end of the season mm.
2: mm-hmm.
0: where, and I think it's when she's talking to Miss Thompson, maybe. Yep. And she explains what it's like when you get married and it's not a love match. Right. That you find other things. And mm-hmm. then she talks about how much she loves her children. hmm And it is the only time that you see her be truly vulnerable. Right. And it's also the only time in the series that I was like, oh, my God, you really, really do care about your daughters. All this grasping that you're doing is because you are petrified that they will have a less good life. Mm-hmm and you being worried that you are not going to be able to help them and knowing that like your husband's not going to help you do anything in terms of getting them the right marriage. No. And, and she's moving so much from a protector part place.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Like She's not leading from self. She's leading from mm-hmm. protector part. And what does protector part do? It fights so hard against one very specific thing, but then the irony is then it, it is a self-fulfilling protector prophecy. Mm-hmm. It creates the situation that it's trying to protect you from.
1: Yeah, I loved that moment, too, because it was it Mm -hmm. was like, hey, in case you weren't sure. Yeah. All those actions and grasping and scraping like that's. That's Mm -hmm. fear. Yeah. And this woman does love her children, probably not her husband, but she does love her children.
0: Yeah, no, she I think (laughs) she was ready to just throw that man out back. Um, She was like, I need him for the children. Mm hmm. Right. I, what will we do? Yeah. You know, because my, now we're going to answer that question.
1: Right. Because my guess is that she's got a backstory that includes yeah. some not so great stuff that happened mm-hmm. that caused her to, you know, in addition to probably not coming from as much. Yeah. Probably had to deal with some pretty uncomfortable shit. And yeah, there's going to be a lot. Oh gonna be a lot of fear a lot of protectors
0: right well and she never gave birth to a son a son could inherit mr featherington's Mm -hmm. estate now that mr featherington is dead none of the girls are married there's no one who can inherit it so some random dude is going to come inherit and for those of you who have read jane austen you all know what's going to come next which is whoever can comes and inherits the money that papa has left can decide like they can like kick mama and daughters out and then they literally have to just fend for themselves which is a plot line from Sense and Sensibility oh okay so maybe that's what's in store for them in season two so then my next question is where is where is Penn at the end of season one Like she's in that carriage where is she going (laughs) where doth the carriage lead (laughs) she reached out and touched the darkness Uh. (laughs) but was it the darkness of winter or the darkness of summer spring she was wearing a cape um she was
1: well she had been on her way to the printers to print the most recent lady whistledown oh and then she was in the carriage i don't know writing
0: lady whistledown Mm. um right so maybe she was just going home. Yeah.
1: I do wonder if um, Madame de la Croix knows who Penn is or knows that Whistledown is Penn. Yeah. Because here's the thing. On my, the reason I asked what clued you in mm. is after I found out who it was, I was like, well, I need to watch it again and I need to look for the clues. Sure. And there really aren't many. No. Like, it's... And that bugs me. Uh, and we talked, yeah. <clears throat> you and I talked about this a little bit off the pod. And I was just like, I wanted like a couple things to piece together, but like, they're just, there aren't many. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you know, you see, you see how Penn stands alone. And so when, when Eloise is like, it's someone who goes to parties, but is unnoticed like a widow, I'm like, all right. Yeah, she fits with that. Right. And you see her lurking at doorways in her house eavesdropping. But mm-hmm. I mean what what teenager isn't doing that? Um Right. <laughs> and that And she never seems particularly interested when they're passing around the lady lady whistle down. But
2: sure.
0: That's I mean that's kind of it. Yeah, no, this wasn't, and I remember you and I talking about this, too, that this was not a show like BBC Sherlock. Like, you're not supposed to be able to put it together. They don't give you enough. Right.
1: That was. And then that knowing that it's not Madame Delacroix, that scene between Eloise and her...
0: Doesn't make it, any doesn't sense. Doesn't
1: really make any
0: sense. Unless Madame Delacroix knows.
1: <clears throat> right. That's why I wonder and if she... And that's why she's being, like, shifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah right because i because eloise is, li- is literally saying to her like do you think that lady whistledown will do this She's like i, right. th- I think lady whistledown's a very smart person
0: like <clears throat> otherwise the, co- right. yeah, the conversation makes no sense right unless unless like mrs madame mrs madame delacroix thought that but but why would el why why would eloise just like use why wouldn't eloise just engage in direct conversation which is like hey are you gonna sell out my brother b2 (laughs) b2 correct yeah had to to make sure mentally which b were we Mm -hmm. were dealing with yeah like because she could have just done that. She didn't have to do this subterfuge. Maybe Madame Delacroix was pl- just playing along. What it really felt like was this was not a show where it was supposed to be like a real type mystery.
1: Yeah. And I, mm, I would have liked a little bit more.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um Because I feel like then you're, you're taking your audience seriously. Mm-hmm. Whereas this felt like they were like, eh, we'll just, we know why the people are here. We'll just throw them a bunch of red herrings. They're here for the bodice. <laughs> They're here for the butts. The butts and the I corsets. I was like, you know, like, like people could be here for both end.
1: <laughs> right. We have, we contain multitudes.
0: Shonda. <laughs> right. And I mean, when we say Shonda, we really mean like the writers. Because I yeah. think this is, she's just producing. Yeah, so. I, she Please she is, she has, like she has so much money right now that she can just pay people no, she's fine. to do the work no. for I'm, herself. I
1: meant Shonda land the the entity <laughs> sure Shonda herself yes. understands that we contain multitude.
0: I'm I'm certain that Shonda does. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yeah, but I it bummed me out a little bit because I do like when there's a twist when you can go back and rewatch it and be like, "Oh fuck! Oh, I should have seen that! Oh, I should have done! Oh!" And yeah, I rewatched it and I was like, "Maybe." Mm-mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. And I was like, "Now this conversation doesn't make any sense." What?
0: What? <laughs> yeah, it was far less of an authentic or. It was far less interested in this mystery and Mm -hmm. more interested in both ways to play with um, like bodice ripper Mm -hmm. romance novel tropes and also to have some real authentic family moments. Yeah. Um, Like I know we're winding down now, so we're not going to spend too much time here. But I do just want to like call attention and name to name the way that they do such a wonderful job with the queen Mm. and the king. Love them. Just a, f- they were just a few short scenes, but such a poignant portrayal of what it is like to lose someone mm-hmm. in bits and pieces to a degenerative illness, especially one like Alzheimer's. Like they do a really beautiful job with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ambiguous loss.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And while, while we're while we're at the palace, can we talk about her Pomeranians for a minute? <laughs> no. Listeners at home, if you don't know this about me, I clearly you don't follow me on social media. I have Pomeranians. <laughs> and when you are a pom person, you are a pom fanatic.
2: Yes, that's true.
1: People don't just have a pom. And no, it's it's a lifestyle choice. <laughs> it is
2: a lifestyle choice.
1: Yeah, you yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> right. And and pom people know like when palm people meet other palm people it's just it's just it's such squeeing like you can't even hear it yes and the queen felt like a very authentic palm person oh my and she had like a dozen she did and um i was watching this while i was walking on the treadmill yes and uh Partner came down to the basement to grab something and I was like, the Queen has palms! And he was like, what? He has no interest in Bridgerton. He wasn't going to watch it, but I did back it up so that he could see all the palms that the Queen had.
0: <laughs> Aww, that's really delightful. <laughs> I mean, all things being equal, I could have done with more palms. I do hope we have more palms in season two.
1: I hope so, too. I'm so glad that it's palms. Because really, <laughs> that you could have a whole... A, a whole farm of them, which is my dream for retirement. They say Palm Farm
0: in Hawaii. Oh. Hawaiian Palm Farm. And uh, <laughs> just to take care of, right? Not to like sell or anything, just to have. No, just to have.
2: Like people have, have horses.
0: Yeah. That's true. People do. I just, yeah. yeah. Why don't they have palms? I mean, this queen
1: does. And I do recognize that. Hawaii is not their favorite climate. That's, oh, that's more sure. for me ma- than them.
0: Yeah. But like, you know, there's different climates in Hawaii that are like less humid a, a drier heat, I believe. <laughs> I might enjoy that.
1: Uh, and with that, what, what do we hope folks at home take away from, from Bridgerton part 2?
0: Um, that there is actually other things happening in Bridgerton, separate <laughs> from all the bodice ripping. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a both-end situation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Don't come expecting a good mystery. That's not going to be happening here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some some family portrayals with a little bit more nuance than you might expect that will be here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I don't know if it's if this is the kind of fandom where, like, there are concrete things that you can... Like I don't know if I would say like the Bridgerton narrative has a lot to teach, but it does do a good job of like accurate depiction and reflection. Mm-hmm. Has pretty solid mimesis.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, and I th- I think it's a it's a good reminder of the fact mm-hmm. that we contain multitudes, and to yeah, you know, as we're moving through life, if someone is irritating us, to pause for a sec and take a breath and remember that you know lady featherington was wasn't just out to get her
2: kids right right
1: Mm -hmm. and and ditto to many of the people who are in front of us doing things that we aren't huge fans of that they are likely dealing with their own you know protective parts trying to keep them safe
0: and you know that's such a lovely point, yeah, and very prescient, I feel like right now in this time when there is still so much distance between so many of us and we are doing more interacting than ever before via some sort of screen medium, mm-hmm. whether we're talking social media or just like video chatting, um, not to knock either of those, but but to acknowledge that there there's a limit and how much you're able to see and be with another person and thus I think that can like limit our ability to have compassion and grace for others because mm-hmm. we're just not in the same physical space and yeah I think you're right Bridgerton is a great reminder to to pause and even if we we don't know what's going on with that other person be like there's probably something yeah and
1: ditto people might be deeper than we think they are mm-hmm they usually are. Yeah. Nelpie wasn't, uh, didn't,
0: didn't seem like oceans of
2: depth. hmm
0: No, on first blush, I was ready to be like, eh, no thank you. But the more time we spent with her, mm-hmm. the more depth there was. Mm-hmm. Same too with uh, the soup spoon. <laughs> Colin. Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Not a thrilling chap, um, but a chap with, like, real heart and real feeling. hmm
1: Yeah, he said he would have married (laughs) Marina if she had just told him,
0: if she had just been honest.
1: Yeah. Which was kind of a fuck you, but also...
0: It seemed true. (laughs) He believed it. And in my fan fiction, it was. (laughs) Okay,
1: today we stayed pretty firmly in the Bridgerton fandom, uh, with a couple of forays into Austin and Bronte and
0: hmm Dostoevsky for a hot minute. That's true, Tolstoy. You know, we really we spent a lot of time on the on the European continent. Aw, oh, it was
1: it was like a a soup of literature <laughs> majoring. Oh, I really hoped you were gonna do that, and you did, so that's great. <laughs> We may be at the helm of the ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You do, in fact, look lovely in velvet. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. Just a reminder that our book Starship Therapy is using therapeutic fan fiction to rewrite your life is now available for pre-order from your favorite booksellers. So order yourself a copy or two or three and share the news with your social networks. And as always friends,
2: live long, live long and, prosper. and prosper.
1: Please be aware that this app will include spoiler tins for spoiler tins. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy!
2: I love
1: spoiler tins. Okay. <laughs> Woo.